0: It's an episode of Video Vampires. This is your Uh-oh. special guest, Matthew McConaughey. Dude, it's uh, episode 69,
1: too. All right, all right. A what? Is it really? <laughs> yeah, 69.
0: <buddy>. All right. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, the, the dumbest. I, I still laugh every time, but, I mean, it's the dumbest thing that it's, it's. The number 69 has become the joke that is so bad that now it's funny again because it's just, it's gone past the. Oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I like to dive right into the 69 joke. I don't know why. I think it's so funny like anytime my you know, I go like 69 miles an hour, if it's like 69 degrees out, I like send it to my friends. Yeah. <laughs> cuz I'm a child. No? I'm like, "Guys, 69. Get it?" <laughs> They're like, "Dude, shut up."
0: <laughs> but, and which is yeah. probably what people listening right now are thinking too. like, "All right, guys, move forward, please." <laughs> Dude,
1: Well, speaking of it, it, it's funny cuz I think that what was it the biosphere that was in the news recently everyone kept talking about it um i don't remember why because i didn't click on it but it it made me think of biodome and so like these are the comfort movies that i've been watching lately so i re-watched biodome for like the first time in in probably like 10 15 years maybe even longer i, I don't know and uh it's so fucking dumb
0: <laughs> no, I still reference it. I still it's, reference it's it.
1: It's good. It's funny, but like I couldn't. I was like, I saw. I remember seeing it in the movie theater. Like I distinctly remember because like I grew up. This was when I still lived in East Bridgewater. It's like a small ass town. The only thing in there was like a bowling alley and a movie theater. And the bowling alley closed, so there's just a movie theater now. Um, and I remember like some kids from school were like, "We heard you laughing in the movie theater." But it's like a comedy. I'm supposed to be fucking laughing.
0: Fuck yeah, dude. Uh,
1: I did laugh. I like stupid comedy. I, I loved Polly Shore. I thought all his movies back then were so funny. Like Son-in-Law.
0: Oh, yeah. Son-in-law. I, still, I still watch Son-in-Law on Thanksgiving. But Biodome and... Uh, Biodome's the one that I still enjoy, Jury but I can't duty. defend it. Hmm?
1: Jury Duty. Do you remember that one? With Tia is Carrera? Tucci? Oh, wait. Is she in that? Oh, she is in that. Is she?
0: Yeah, I think so, right?
1: I don't, Well, there's In the Army now... And then there's Jury
0: Duty, which sometimes I mix up, but I'm pretty sure Stanley Tucci's in Jury Duty, isn't he? Oh God, I have no idea. I mean, that's not the one that I. That's that's one of my. That's the one I. I'm um, the least familiar with. But Biodome, I've spent a lot of time.
1: It's really. It's just so. It's. It is fun and stupid, and it's like kind of lighthearted. You know, at the end they like. You know they're like, no, we're gonna take care of the, we wanna, we don't wanna be disappointment. We wanna like take care of the, the environment, and it ended up pretty good. And it... honestly, it's still a fun movie. It's, it's just silly and fun, and I really did like it. Um, speaking of silly fucking movies, I watched Serenity.
0: The Joss Whedon one?
1: No, the Matthew McConaughey.
0: And all right, all right.
1: Anyway so. It's really funny because, um, you know, especially now, so many people are joining, like, movie groups. And so I, I follow um, Oscalope for a while. And so every Monday uh, they, you know, put a thing up like, hey, what did you guys watch? And so I got into it with them because <laughs> I was like, I watch Serenity and I it's just really fucking bad. And they were like, it's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not good. But it's like, it's, like, so ridiculous that I, like, couldn't stop thinking about it for, like, three weeks. And then I also told everyone I knew to watch it because it's just so ridiculous. So the it's not what you think in the trailers at all. Like, I still kind of thought it was, like, cool. It's, like, this weird noir between Matthew McConaughey and, and Anne Hathaway, who are both pretty respectable actors, you know? Um, it is so fucking weird. Do you, do you, I'm going to spoil it for everyone, so... Um, basically, what this is is Matthew McConaughey's this this character. He's like a former soldier, um, and he just like gave up on life and like lives in this little town. And he's like a fisherman and like takes out rich people to like go fishing to fish for tuna. Um, and then like one day, his ex wife like comes back into the scene and she wants him to take out her abusive. Um, husband and uh, and she basically wants Matthew McConaughey to kill him. Now here's the kicker: it's actually a simulation. They're in a game that Matthew McConaughey's son in real life created, and Matthew McConaughey is dead in real life. So they're in a simulation game that the little boy created because he hates his abusive <laughs> stepfather and wants him to die. So this is that's the movie. <laughs> and it's just so ridiculous like Diane Lane's in it but like what, what the fuck for you know she doesn't do anything she's just like some weird like person who pays Matthew McConaughey for sex which is also weird because like the kid is just like this is cool my dad would do this he would totally be like a male prostitute like it's so fucking weird it's just and like the acting they're both overgiving well actually Matthew McConaughey is overgiving and like Anne Hathaway is trying to play that like you know the femme Patel and like uh, it's just, it's just so absurd, and I can't get it out of my head. Uh, so that's Serenity. Um And then I've rewatched two things that we've talked about before, and we've seen. Um, I rewatched *Prometheus*, and no matter how many times I watch it, I still can't tell if I hate it or not. And it's weird because it has a lot of really great scenes in it, and. I think some of it's so cool. And then other parts, I'm like, this sucks. And it's weird. I No matter how, I've probably watched it like six times, and I just like can't figure out whether I like it or not. Um, and then another thing that I rewatched, um, actually three of them, uh, I rewatched Us, which uh, the Jordan Peele movie. Uh, it's just fucking brilliant. Every time I watch it, I find more and more about it that I like. Um, and it's weird because I feel like it got glossed over a lot, um, with some people, either they didn't find it scary or they didn't get the ending or, um, or they thought it was too silly. And, and I really, I just really think it's like some of his best shit. he's only done two movies, but you know, it it is, it's just fucking brilliant. Um, I, I really like the way he just layers everything about society and us and like, you know, class and everything, and you know, I, I just, I just really think it's a great movie. And then, um, I watched *Curious Case of Benjamin Button*.
0: I saw that. I saw that on Instagram that you were watching that, and I was like, okay.
1: I think it's my favorite adventure film. Um, it, it's what? one of those more lighthearted, even though, even though it's like not really because it's kind of sad. Um, I don't know. People, people kind of hate on it. It's long. But I kind of love it. I mean, most of the effects hold up pretty good, um, at least for, like, old Brad Pitt. Um, Kate Blanchett in it is just, like, a fucking dream. Like, every time she's on screen, I just, like, melt into a pile of mush. Because she's just, like, that charismatic and, like, beautiful. Um, I think everyone's great in it. I just – I kind of just like it. I like it how it goes through the time periods. It's just – Honestly, I think it's probably one of my favorite adventure films, and I also love Gone Girl, but it's like the exact opposite reason why I love The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Um And then I watched um, Sisters, which is 1979, maybe? Brian De Palma? Oh, no, 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 no. That's like 73? 73,
0: 74, yeah.
1: 73, yeah. Uh, I, I had never seen it. Really? I had, Yeah, I had never seen it. Margot Kidder.
0: Yeah. Great. I own um, it. Yeah, I love it.
1: I, it's really weird. I that's one that like I couldn't tell if I loved or hated. Like I don't hate it, but it's got like really levels of frustration for me. Oh, but of course. also like any um, type of movie that like takes a, a semi-hysterical female where she's you know where she's trying to be like hello, I saw a fucking murder and the cops are like, We're gonna throw you in jail, or she gets put into a mental institution. It's so, like so Maddening
0: to me, but, Yeah, but um, it, it's not. It, it, look, here's the thing: is I will. I agree with you, but also De Palma kind of like. Look, if I was getting murdered, I wouldn't be, you know, by some, by you know, a crazy split personality woman. I would not be going up to the window and scrawling "help" with my own. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like, and if if somebody told me they saw that, I would be going. If I was like say I was like Charles Derning or I was the other cop in there, and I'd be like, wait a minute. So this guy. He took the time to write out help on the fucking window instead of doing anything else, and you expect me to believe? You know what I mean? Like that's not. I don't think that's. (laughs) I think it's just a palm of not being being like a great writer in that. I love Sisters, by the way, but I mean I also like that's one movie I'm always like, what, what? You know, like. Because that moment before that, when he comes back, with, I don't want to give it away, when he comes back with the cake and he's like trying to wake up Margot Kidder and everything like that, or when mm-hmm. scares every time. I know what's going to happen.
1: That's a ha- great scene. It is because it's so immediate. You know, there's, like, no time for you to re- – you're just, like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, this – he, he was, like, doing something nice and happy, and it's, like, damn, dude, like, uh, her – I know she's, like, Canadian, but, like, her French accent was just, like – I'm, like, come on, dude.
0: <laughs> I love Margot Kidder, though. <laughs>
1: I do, too, but, like, I was just, like, what the fuck is this? Uh, so I I did really – I did like it. Yeah. It's just – it's like it's it was kind of
0: silly, but I do really like. It's all I mean. That's the thing with De Palma is that a lot of his stuff, and I mean this in the best possible way, is that it's a lot. of It's you're more into the style than you're at. Like if you just if you could if you break down one of his plots, you're like, wait a minute, what? Like that? How does this work? How does that work? Like why is this happening? You know, like they're 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 kind of. I mean, like people describe people put Dario Argento and De Palma in the same category a lot, and I agree with it. I'm like, oh, I get. I, yeah,
1: it. Dress to Kill is like. Yeah. Fucking, Oh, yeah. It's great. They
0: are the the you know like he you know uh, De Palma is America's Dario Argento and yeah. Dario Argento is, is Italy's Brian De Palma. They are like they go hand in hand, but like because their plots are very flimsy, but they the style and the and the feeling that they invoke her is a lot more important. And I I I, I love I love De Palma, but you know I even, I
1: do. I do. Early, like, I still maintain that the Black Dahlia um, movie is, like, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I saw it in the movie theater, and I almost walked out, and I never watched it again because I hated it so much. Um, but it's weird because his earlier work is just, like, it is so fucking good.
0: Yeah. Um, you know what's a good movie, though, with that of his that people a lot of people hate as well? I also, I, I watched it recently, and I was like, God damn, this is, this is pretty solid with Snake Eyes.
1: I, I, okay, I also back Snake Eyes. That's, that's one of his, like, later, what was that 99 yeah. or something? Yeah, something like that. I saw that in the movie theater. I thought it was sick. I thought it was good Nicolas Cage and, uh, isn't it Carla, um...
0: Gugino, yeah.
1: Yeah, she's just always, she just always looks like that.
0: Son-in-laws, Carla Gugino, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Coming back around the Poly Shore. Um, no, I, I really do like Brian De Palma. I just, I wish i didn't hate some of his early uh, his newer work so much oh yeah <laughs> um and then it's funny because we talked a little bit about this before we started recording but nick offerman who was in devs um which is funny because a, a friend of yours told me like he wrote a book and it's like he's very much into like psychedelics and like this type of like sci-fi quantum technology type of dude. And like, he's really interested in that stuff. And so he um, put out a documentary called have a good trip. And it's talking all about psychedelics. And it's actually really fucking funny. It's just like a bunch of celebrities talking about times that they have taken acid or LSD or mushrooms or whatever. Um,
0: Celebrities like who? uh,
1: Now I can't even remember who was on it. I'm like, uh, Sting was in it. And like, (laughs) Uh, ben Stiller and, like, a bunch of other people. Um, but Stings, Stings was pretty funny. They all kind of tell, like, silly stories about, like, you know, what happened to them and what they were doing. And Stings obviously was, like, the most eccentric and, like, elaborate. Yeah. Um, but also there's, like, it's so funny. And it's really great because it, it kind of opens people up because I think people are still very scared about psychedelics. Um, you know, they hear the word acid or LSD and they they still have, like, this – flashback of, like, all the propaganda is against, um, that, especially from, you know, the 60s and 70s, so, um, I loved it, it's kind of great, it kind of goes through, like, little steps that you could take, like, hey, you know, you're in for a ride no matter what, like, here's what you can do, but, like, if you don't do that, it's still okay, and so, it, it, it's really enjoyable. It's very silly. It's very funny. The stories are just ridiculous and it's a lot of fun. I, I would watch it. Even if you don't like taking psychedelics, you could still watch it and really enjoy it. Um, and that's on Netflix. I would recommend that for sure. Um, and then two other things that I watch that I want to talk about um, are dead to me and into the night, which are both short series. Like they're 20 minutes, half an hour long episodes. And there's, like, six episodes, and so it's, a, it's like, a long show, but a short, uh, a long movie, but, like, a short series, you know? Like, probably three hours for each. Um, Dead to Me is season two. Um, I really liked this season. Um, it's it's really fun and silly. Have you watched it at all, Mickey? Dead to Me?
0: No, my wife has. She's she's a big fan.
1: It's, like, Linda Cardellini. Is that her name?
0: I thought it was Christina Applegate.
1: Yeah, it is. Oh. It's both of them. Oh. They're the two main characters, and they like kind of form this friendship out of like weirdly toxic relationships and murder and stuff. So it, it is really silly and fun, and like you have these like two polar opposites of like people who have became friends. You know, like um, Christina Albuquerque is very like stern and like kind of rude and kind of a bitch, and like Linda Cardellini is like the polar opposite. She's like three warm and she loves everyone and she wants to see the best in everyone. It's about their dynamic and their friendship. It's really, it's really great. I, I, I think it's really great. And it's like an easy watch and it's fun and it's, it's sad. Um, and then Into the Night, uh, it's a show from Belgium, I believe, a Dutch show, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so this is sick. This is how I wish the apocalypse was, but it's not. It's just like weirdly trickling down to where we all consume each other. But Into the Night is about, um, this movie, um, where the apocalypse happens and something is wrong with the sunlight where it just kills everything it touches now. Um, and so there's actually a plane that has taken off in the night and now they're getting all this information about how the sunlight is killing everyone. And so they're like one of the last survivors on earth. So it's about them just going from night to night to night and like airport and like all this stuff to find out like how they can live and like what they can do and who else is alive. It's at first I thought it would be unbelievable, but it's really not the way that they take the time to kind of like explain it. Like the whole first season is just like, you know, uh, I think the first week where they're just like trying to figure out like what the fuck to do and like, um, where to go and like, um, you know, how to do everything. And it's, it's actually pretty good. Like you think that, um, Maybe just being on a plane the whole time, the, and the whole series would be a little boring. But it's it's not. It's it's a pretty good like sci-fi show, and it's 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 like totally like I was like, oh, that would be cool. Like at least like I could live in the darkness, like a weird vampire. Hmm. Um, but it is. So those are all the fucking things I watched in the last like three weeks and two books. But right. um, what have, what have you been watching? Me? Um.
0: Well, also okay. So. Um, I'll start with the, uh, there's three different categories of movies that I would, uh, you know, um, I'll start with the, um, so, um, the other night my wife and I, you watched, you rewatch us, we rewatched Get Out, which I hadn't seen since I saw it in the theaters. And I'm like, God damn, like if, 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 you know, if you're a writer or a filmmaker or anything and you're, you, you, you're struggling or whatever, and you, you watch this movie, it, it, on one hand it will make you smile because you're like, God damn, like, you know, the movies like this exist. And then it'll also make you go crazy because you're like, this was his first fucking movie, and he like he hit a you know, it's like his his first at bat and he hits a home run and you're like, God damn it, like um which is great. You know, uh I, I really I, I forgot how awesome get out is. Um it's awesome. You know, it's it's fantastic. And then um I watched a movie that I recommend that everybody watches. It's fucking insane. It's a movie called The Apple. Um, and now if you haven't seen The Apple, I recommend you find you you gotta find this documentary f- first called Electric Boogaloo, the the, the Canon film story. And it, it, the that's a documentary about canon films, which in the late 70s and early and throughout the 80s was this production company run by these two Israeli uh, cousins. You've seen a lot of the movies. Yeah, that they I was gonna put... say I
1: can like see the icon in my head. Oh, absolutely. When you it. And in
0: fact, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, which is one of our episodes we covered, that was a canon film. Um, one of my favorite canon films is a uh, this crazy Van Damme movie called Cyborg, which was oh, yeah. which was supposed to be a sequel to another canon film, which was Masters of the Universe the movie. But they couldn't; they Mattel withdrew their 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 rights, so they basically took some of the leftover sets from Masters of the Universe Two and made Cyborg with Van Damme, which I think is one of the creepiest and coolest... It's one of those action movies that kind of, like, is also a horror movie, in my opinion. Um, Mostly because the fucking villain is fucking terrifying. But, um, the guy, Menachem Golan, um, who was one of the two of uh, Canon Films, he directed this fucking insane musical called The Apple, which was about the future, Uh, and by the future I mean 1994, where, um... (laughs) This music organism, this music company um, has now taken over the fucking world pretty much. And this, it's basically like they, they, there's these two singers, one played by uh, Catherine Mary Stewart, who was in Night of the Comet and Last Starfighter, and she's just this awesome actress. Um, But she, um, you know, she basically gets seduced by the allure of, of, you know, rock and roll fame and like, and it's it, there's a lot of clear like religious like metaphors in this this movie. Um, I I can't spoil anything because I don't. It's so fucking insane of a movie that uh, I don't know I don't know what to tell you. But you know, I remember our buddy Diego was was hitting me up while I was watching it because he had watched it a few weeks ago or a few months ago, and uh, we were just talking about it. And I was like, he's like, well, what did you think ultimately? And I was like, you know what I think is that it took a lot of fucking balls for everybody involved to make this movie and to put it out in the theater and put it out in the world. So whether or not it's a good movie or not, it took a lot of courage to make because it is fucking insane. Um, It's watch it. It's camped like times a hundred. I don't know if they're trying to make a Rocky Horror Picture Show type sensation or if they're just trying to make like, I don't know. But like, it's one of those things where somebody is like, no, this is, this is a legit, this is a good movie. Like, I'm going to make this movie because the world needs to see this. And then you see it, and you're like, man, like, I don't know what bubble you're living in, but I'm I'm in love with it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's – no one can make that movie and think that it's going to be like – it's going to change the world, but I don't know. I love it. You should watch it. It's on Prime, but – um okay. And then uh, we've been – my wife and I have been doing um, our – still we've been doing our Friday night quarantine movie, so we do that after Joe Bob every Friday night, and we – uh, she had never seen Night of the Living Dead all the way through, the original, so... Oh, shit. Yeah. So we watched that because I felt like it was very uh, fitting for the time period, and uh, we also, the most recent one we watched was Death Race 2000. Um, oh, I
1: saw that. I saw that in your stories, and I was excited, and I yeah. was like, "It's it, st- it just started. It was like the opening credits. I was like, I'll wait before I say
0: anything. Yeah. Um, she had never Dirty. seen that before either, Stone. and I was like, you gotta see that one. So, and then... Um, and then I've been watching Joe Bob every Friday, which is funny to me because um, – so the first uh, – you know, a few weeks ago, I, I, I watched these – by the way, like on, um, on uh, the first episode two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I watched it with Diego. Like we, we did a, a, a social distancing um, viewing together because like whenever – when Joe Bob was on last year, I would have people come over. We would watch it. And every time he does his marathons, I have people over. It's like one of the things. So it's just, it's, it's been the rough. It's on one hand, I'm so glad that Joe Bob's last drive-in is, is back. On the other hand, it's like, I'm so crushed because as much as I need it right now, I'm also like, oh, one of the fun things about this is watching it with people. people. But um, we, you know, he did Maniac, which I was like, oh, what do you know? We did that uh, episode. <laughs> and then he did Heather's, which I was like, really, uh, I mean, it's one of my, it's, it, it's, that movie's in my top 10. Of favorite movies of all time, so it was really cool to see him do that one. Um, and then a week later, I watched it with Steve Sears, uh, who you know we had on the very beginning of the podcast. Uh, writer Dave made amaze me, and him watched it, and we watched. And he did, um, he did brain damage, which was another episode we did. And uh, oh, Deep Red. yeah, so two New York episodes we did. He, you know, Joe Bob ended up doing, but he did brain damage, which was a delight because. Uh, Joe Bob knows Frank Henenlotter, so, I mean, like, he like he doesn't even have to dig deep for information. He just knows the information because he actually knows Frank Henenlotter. So, it was really cool to listen to him talk about that. Um, and then he did um, Deep Red, which I actually haven't watched in ten years, maybe longer. And I actually, when this really? whole... Yeah. And when this I whole, thought, because,
1: um, I don't know, I can't remember if it was Beyond Fest or just the Egyptian, but they did, um... The Deep Red at at the theater. that's where I saw it, and it was fucking great. I thought they. I think they were doing. I think that's Argento's best.
0: Uh, I think. I mean, I still love Suspiria, you know, and Phenomena. I
1: love Suspiria, but I think Deep Red's better. Well, yeah,
0: and and funny thing is, when this whole stay-at-home thing started, I was like, I wrote a list of stuff I wanted to catch up on, or I wanted to see in general. One of the things I wanted to catch up on was like, I haven't seen Deep Red in a long time, so I put down my list, and then Arrow did that awesome digital sale, and then Joe Bob covered it, so it all worked out. But, um. This most recent episode, the one on Friday, he did Troma's War, which I also thought was funny because we did Class of Newcomb High last. Um, Troma's Damn, we War. Are,
1: we vibing with Joe
0: Bob. Yeah, we are. And then um, he did One Cut of the Dead, which I don't know if you've seen that. It's a newer film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I recommend after you, after we record this, you should watch it on Shudder. Um, one Cut of the Dead was the most fun I've had watching a movie in a long, long, long time. I loved watching... I mean, I was it was like I was laughing and I was like clapping and like my, my wife and I, like my wife and I don't always mesh well with tastes, you know, a lot of it's me trying to bring her into my world and vice versa. Um, we both thoroughly enjoyed this movie. But at the end of that, at the movie, Joe Bob gave a monologue where I like ugly cried. Like I was like bawling. My wife was like, are you okay? And it was this speech he gave about like, because I mean, one of the things you have to understand about one cut of the dead, and I don't want to give anything away, but like, it's a zombie movie, but it's also a film about film. And he was basically talking about anybody who's, you know, struggling, trying to make films or, like, you know, whatever, and, like, where I see myself at, and how, like, he was basically just trying to, like, give advice, and it was, like, the most inspiring thing I've seen in a long time. Like, it was just such, like, a, a he dropped the Joe Bob character and was basically, like, addressing the audience, being like, you know, if you, if fi- you want to be a filmmaker stop calling yourself an aspiring filmmaker drop that you are a filmmaker and like basically just like he's like if you're, if you're if you're if you're you're not making something because you don't have this you don't have that you don't need that anymore and he's basically like you know he was basically saying that now is the time to make stuff because we live in a time period where you don't need to live in LA to make films you don't need to like have a super nice camera to make you can make something and he's like and it was just this really inspiring and encouraging like monologue that like I just lost my shit like, I actually had a hard time just describing it now without getting, like, to- cheered up because it was, it was, like, that awesome. So I recommend very. Everybody...
1: It's, like, well, it's so hard to, like, feel anything because we, we talked about this because, you know, the whole world is just, like... Yeah. ...in a box right now, you know what I mean? And it, I feel like it's so hard to be creative and so when you hear someone you admire say something that's, like, inspiring, it's, like, it it makes you feel and then you're, like, oh, I fucking forgot what that was like, you yes.
0: know? Yes, yeah, and it, I was, like... I was just like so emotional because like I have been struggling in the past few like especially in this whole thing of like trying to like I've been still trying to work on one a short film. My wife and I did a short film together but like and she likes to to say that we both did it but like I still to this day feel like she did a lot of the work like I helped her with some ideas. It's
1: really fun.
0: Yeah, I mean it was it, fun. And
1: I see I've seen like some other uh skits that Kate has done too and they're just it, I really like
0: them. Yeah, and and like she's like and I really I, I admire her for that because like I sit there and I'm spending a year and a half trying to finish a short film that I worked on like doing a lot of post stuff whereas like she like has you know she's kind of like exactly the monologue that Joe Bob was like she you know she's not like she didn't go to film school she's not like super knowledgeable about like the art of filmmaking but she's just doing it and she's learning while she's doing it and like you know I said to her about this most recent short film she did that I was in because the we we submitted it for a film festival that was specifically, like, you need a quarantine, you know, it's, you got it's gotta be three minutes max, there's no, um, you can't have any outside help, and you have to shoot it in your quarantine space, and the, with the people you're quarantining with, and so it, it was a lot of restrictions, and so obviously my wife was like, I need you to be in this thing, and like, she, you know, again, she came up with this idea, and I helped her out with a few things, but like, she really, like, you know, really did a lot of it herself, and I feel like it's better than the last thing she did, and, and before that, so it's like, I'm always, like, you know, she's feeling, like, if she, anytime she's feeling down about stuff, I'm always, like, hey, look, you have, you know, you're getting better every time you make something, and also, like, you're, you're, it's good, you know, and, like, and, and, you know, it was, I was really impressed, but, like, I've been just feeling, like, creatively, you know, stifled by myself, so watching that Joe Bob thing really, really meant a lot, and, like, I really recommend people, like, you know, especially anybody who's, like, whether they're a writer or anything, like, you know, a filmmaker or anybody creative or even not creative, just... Watch that episode because, first off, Troma's War is insane. And the interview with Lloyd, he had Lloyd Kaufman on there, which was even more insane. Uh, but then One Cut of the Dead is a great fucking film. And then his speech at the end was just like, again, uh, awe-inspiring. I was crying. My wife thought there was something wrong. And I was just like, no, no, no I'm like, I am totally fine. Like, I am okay. I just, like, I'm, I'm getting hit right now really hard with, like, you know, feeling feelings, you know? So, um. That's all I've been watching. Um, so I, you know, I definitely recommend to people, you know, that were, you know, who are listening to this, like, hey, check out some of the other, you know, like, Joe Bob covered the same shit we did, you know, so, you know, go watch both, you know, or listen to both. Um, but I, it really did make me happy. It's like, whoa, maniac and brain damage? Come on, dude. Like, because he doesn't announce what he's going to show on the, you know, they don't announce anything. So it's just been like really like, you know, coincidence. But I was like, that's right. Video vampires got there. Um, <laughs>
1: I feel that way all the time because, uh, you know, eventually you come full circle with, like, your surroundings, yeah. I guess. So, like, even anti-CGI, who, it's funny, who I got the next movie from, he posted about it. But I feel like sometimes we're on the same way. wavelength because we've done episodes, and then he's posted, like, the same exact things. And I'm like, holy shit, like, we're on the same vibe, you know? And so that's why it was so easy for me to find a movie to pick because, um he posts stills from them and so one of the stills was eyes of fire yes and so i was intrigued by just this one still and i was like i i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna i'm gonna see what it's about and it's funny because when i mentioned it to you you were like oh i have that on vhs well i (laughs) I was like okay cool
0: (laughs) i think it's funny because i think um last april when my wife was when my you know when my wife goes away on vacations i that's when i usually have my own little Solo film festivals, and I remember watching. I think I actually mentioned it on the episode that we recorded after that, being like, "Oh, I watched this weird movie, Eyes of Fire," which I, I I'm really surprised that when you mentioned, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I and I'm very interested in your opinion on it because um I don't know what my opinion is yet.
1: <laughs> I don't. I'm not really sure. I know either. It's like at first. With first watching it, and and I found it on YouTube. Um, again, God bless all of the YouTube uploaders because I found so much cool shit, whole cool movies on there um, for free that you could just indulge in. So, um, and this release has never got a DVD release. It's only been VHS, so it is hard to find. Right. Um, and I think it, it was like direct to video, wasn't it? Like it was. This movie wasn't in theaters, or was it? It was. It, it was in theaters,
0: oh. and but it wasn't on video until years later.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. At at first while watching it, I was like, there's no way that this movie can be good. Um, and there's a thing, you know, like, it's weird now because, uh, with technology, you have period pieces that feel like you're in that period. And at first while watching this piece, I was like, this is the 80s. It feels like the 80s, except everyone is just in costume. Mm -hmm. But it is the, the, like... The the vision sequences, the hellish vision sequences are so cool and like the monster is cool and it's scary. And if I saw this movie as a kid, it would it would probably scar me for life. What? Um there are like weird like um pieces in it, like you know, when they're hiding in a tree and like the monster comes down. So basically what this movie is about is like 17 18th century um priest in America gets um, accused of of what
0: um, well, being a fucking horn dog, he's banging. Yeah, yeah.
1: They're like, dude, you have two women living with you. You're you're a fucking hoe, and we're gonna hang you. And so, and he's kind of uh, a douchebag,
0: so you're kind of on board with it.
1: Yeah, he's obviously a douchebag, but like in the beginning, you're not really sure. You're like, whoa, like maybe he's just helping these ladies out. You don't know. Um. So anyway, he gets saved, but it's weird because he also has an actual witch with him who's actually doing all the saving, sort of. But like. Um, no one knows that that's what's happening (laughs) and then they go and then they were like, you know what? Like, um, he's saved and then like, he takes his believers with him and they go off and then, you know, um, they find like, they find like these native, um, Americans who, uh, I don't even know how they got them to go away. I think, uh, what was it? The other guy came and like warned them and then they find like a burial site and the guy is like, we shouldn't do this. I don't know what it is about like all these movies where like people are like, we should do this anyway, even though it's a clear warning not to go here. Everyone's just like, no, we're gonna go. If I ever came across anything creepy in the woods, I would leave. I would just go home. In fairness, though... I am though, not the type of adult pet cemetery. I'm not having it. Yeah, you know? but in Fuck fairness,
0: me. in the time period this movie takes place, everything is the fucking woods. You really would never. Yeah, have...
1: that's true. You're in like... The, I think it's actually shot in Missouri which I can't even imagine what it actually was like um, back then but it's like uh, I I also I feel like it would be the opposite though because everything would be scary if I saw like feathers all over this, like, tree in the middle of the woods, I'd be, like, not fucking touching that shit. Like, gonna go back. We should go back. But, um, and then, like, all hell ensues because they go into this sacred ground it's, like, actually, like, a hell dimension. I'm not really sure. Um, they find a little girl. She actually might be the devil. I'm not. I don't really know. Um, but to say that, it was, like, still enjoyable. Like, for the first half of the movie, I was, like, mm, not sure. And then once they got into this, like, hellscape,
0: of america right uh
1: i really did like it but it's like kind of it's just kind of chaotic and like almost
0: silly but like also really cool yeah i mean so yeah to kind of piggyback off what you were saying So, like it's you know you got this guy this priest who's like he takes him and his followers and 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 this woman this married woman that he's been banging and the reason why she's uh she's banging him is because she thinks her husband's dead and uh so they you know they go off and like and they bring her daughter, you know, who doesn't really want to go. She just wants her dad to come back, which she does, you know, but the whole idea is they stumble across this fucking this area that not even the native americans want to fucking kind of deal with. Yeah, They're like That's what I'm saying.
1: Like yeah. don't just don't go there yeah. and then we wouldn't have these stories. <laughs>
0: but um, here's a few there's a few things. One, um uh, who, trying to think of what we One it it, it does it, it you've got multiple narrators. Which I think is really cool, because um, it throws Dude, you off. And
1: I, I do want to say like that when the children are narrating, I always find that creepy, no matter what. Yeah. Maybe because I find children creepy. I'm not really sure, but it reminds. Um, fuck. There's a there's a few other movies who have like kind of children narrators. It always sets like they're serious movies, and it, it always sets this like really weird
0: tone. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the, the multiple narrators because it makes you throws you off. It's like, well. I think this, I thought this person was going to make it. I thought this was, per, you know, you don't know. Um, and then, uh, okay, this is what I was going to say, is that I'm not saying that this is the case, but I can easily see somebody having watched this movie and being inspired to make a movie like The Witch, because it's... No, vi- I,
1: I thought the same thing. Okay. I
0: really did. Or... One could argue that the type of movie they were trying to make with Eyes of Fire is the type of movie that The Witch ended up being. Like, they were clearly trying to create this, like, weird, like, not quite... I mean, definitely a horror movie, but also, like, kind of, like, a weird art house, like, um, uh, existential film about, like, you know, evil and about America. And, like, uh, I don't... I'm not not quite sure they got there with Eyes of Fire. I feel like, again, I feel like when I watched The Witch, I was like... To me, The Witch feels like somebody watched Eyes of Fire and was like, oh, man, I really want to make a movie like that, but I want to take – I want to strip it down from some of its more extraneous parts, you know? Um, that being said, I feel like that this movie deserved better special effects because I do like a lot of the idea of this movie, you know? Like uh, the, in, the, the, the idea of the wood – th- hmm?
1: I kind of like the cheapness of it, if that makes sense. Like, I felt like, like, there are some great shots in this. Yes. And they are scary. And even though the the demon or monster is simple, it is frightening because it's, like, just dark. And then you see these eyes. And then, like, you know, it's, it's made of the earth, too. Like, there's a scene where, like, the demon um, is, like, scary. And then it, like, just falls back into the earth. And that seemed pretty seamless. And it's very scary. That
0: is true. <laughs> and that's great. Um,
1: And then also like it's some of the backdrop scenes, you know, we see them a lot where like there's a piercing light and then you see figures, you know, and it's, you know, with them, with the wagon and then these demons running behind them really fast. I always like shots like that because it, it, for some reason, like the darkness versus the light, it just, it always like kind of speaks to me in in a certain way. And then like some of the, um, the lighting is very Italian-based to me. You know what you I mean? Lots of blues, lots of reds, yep. in, in some of the dream sequences as
0: well. I I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I later, a lot of the special effects I do like, but the problem is I feel like this movie's got a lot more ideas, and it needs... It, it, sometimes I think it needed some better special effects to get those ideas them, out there. Yeah. You know, there's some special effects that were great, but it was just like one of those things where it's like, sometimes I was getting a little confused. I was like, wait, I, I don't get what's happening here because... It's like, I feel like they wanted to show something different, but they couldn't do it, so they kind of went, you know, a cheaper route. Yeah,
1: for a while, I felt like I didn't really know exactly what was happening. Yeah. I was like, who is being, who is haunting who? And is like, she actually bad, um, you know. and Leah, gets, the witch? Yeah, the, the witch, but, you know, she's not, because she saved them, you know, at least the little ones, but yeah. um, she also, like, ingests, I don't really get the ending either, but, like, <laughs> you know uh, it, it might take a while for me to, to yeah. get it, but I still I still really liked it for the most part. Like all of a sudden the guy that was dead is not um, because you know Leah the good witch ate or ingested the bad and then but the bad still came back anyway. Yeah, at the end, do the French settlers? You know, I don't really know. I'm not really sure what that's supposed
0: to mean. Maybe the French are evil. <laughs> no, no, I, I took it as like you know that like it's going to keep going, like this this battle between good and yeah. evil, the good witch and the bad presence of the forest are going to cause because like you know she also sees the good witch and tells her that everything's going to be okay. You know, what I mean, like it's yeah, I. I don't know. Someone,
1: someone wrote like it's like uh, someone saw Scarlet Letter and The Exorcist and wanted to combine them. That's, <laughs> and that's I thought a that good was one. That's kind of funny. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. Re- um.
1: And it's not. It's not bad. Like there are pieces of it that I do really like. But yeah. it's like I still. It, you're right. I just don't really know how I feel about it yet. Like some of it's really cool, and like it's gonna stay with me. And then some of it, I'm just like. oh
0: well, I don't, I remember wanting to see it because um, I had this um, there's this DVD I have called Trailer Trauma, and they have a series of them like one, two, three, four. Anyway, um, the third one I think, yeah, the third one's uh, the one the first one I got, which is all about it's like it's a two Blu-ray discs of just 80s horror movie trailers, and mm-hmm. I'd play them on my birthday or I know anytime I was having like showing movies at the place, I would like I would always play that in the background between movies, just kind of whatever and. That's where I first saw the trailer. I was like, oh my God. So I actually hunted that movie down, found it on VHS online, got it. And um, I was just again, it was just one of those things where like I popped it on and I was like, man, this is not as scary as I wanted it to be. And I think but that's I think that's my problem with this movie, is that it could have been as scary as I wanted it to be, I think, or at least it was like trying to be. Um, it was very ambitious and I feel like it just it, it was just a problem of like not having all the means to yeah. to do it. But the, the thing I found really frustrating is that, I mean, th- this movie is fascinating, and I've tried to do research on it. Avery Crounce, who uh, was the name of the guy who wrote and directed it, I, he did two other movies, Invisible yeah, Kid with clever. Karen Black, and then something else, I and mean, there's, I'm able to find anything that he's ever said about this movie, if anything that, uh, would be benefit from a DVD release where you could actually like have interviews or like, you know, anything, this movie would be it, you know?
1: Yeah, because I feel like, especially for the time period, too, like, because it has not rated our rating, um, which is interesting because it's not that particularly violent or sexual or, you know, whatever. But um, I feel like it would be really cool to hear him talk about it, um, especially then, uh, just to, like, know how he was making it and, and exactly what you said, like, the budget, um, just – it's kind of weird, but I do know he had his own production company, right? So he helped produce the movies that he wrote and directed as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, I just it's like so weird. I'm really glad I watched it, but I'm just like not really sure, right, about
0: like, it. I, you know, I mean, like, like I was saying with with the you know with the witch, it's. The Witch to me is more of like a tone poem, you know, it's more of like, it's yeah. more, it's, it's less on the plot and more of the atmosphere and like the metaphors and the symbolism that it's trying to like, and I feel like Eyes of Fire wanted to be like that, but it was still trying to go in a more traditional route. So there's like weird shit that happens in the movie, like bones raining from the sky and you're like, yeah, that's- man, that would be, if the movie, if the whole movie was consistent with feeling like a weird, like kind of like a dream. I would be on board with that, but it doesn't. It feels Sometimes it feels like a very straightforward movie that t- yeah. takes these weird turns into like surrealism that don't fit. You know, and I know that's weird to say a surrealism shouldn't fit, in you know, but I think, uh, I, I it hope... It doesn't
1: flow well yeah. sometimes because you're like, what? That's where it gets confusing because you're like, I'm not really sure what's happening. Is this a dream or is this happening to everybody? Right. Um, so, but like, cool. the dream sequences are cool.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great moments in that. You're right. The little girl that, that that they take in is like, you know, that's pretty effective and creepy. I think my other problem, too, is that you're, you're the guy who plays like the, the douchebag um, priest or reverend. Yeah. I mean, the guy's got bad dude written all over him from the I mean, like you guys. Should, I mean, I feel bad because I'm not trying to bash anybody for their like, you know, whatever. But the guy fucking looks like I mean like he came out of the womb looking like a villain you know what I mean like I think it's his hair it's the point <laughs> it's that weird pointiness of his face and that weird the weird the smugness of the way he talks yeah. um, the only thing about this movie that I found I was I was looking for something recognizable right like I was trying to find like okay, so Avery crowd anything and some of the actors like they were they were like big on 80s television you know uh, but
1: oh yeah d- um, uh, Rob Paulson
0: yeah. Um,
1: who's in
0: this movie? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That There's that guy, and who's like, I guess he was like somebody, he was involved with the Ninja Turtles cartoon, I think.
1: And the Animaniacs, apparently. He that's was right. The brain from Pinky and the Brain, which is really interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. Um the voice of
1: it. So he didn't really go into acting. I don't think he has, like, much, but it was, like, one of his only actual acting roles that's not voice acting.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one thing I was going to say, the one thing that's, that's you know, this part, the, the one familiar name, though, that I saw on here. And I, I I didn't realize it until you know, I I, I afterwards, it was Brad Fiedel or Fidel who is the composer.
1: Oh, he, Yeah, for Terminator.
0: For Terminator and for Fright Night and for you know it's like and this yeah. was this was one of his uh, first movies that he did. Um, and I was you know I was like I think the score is actually really good. There's like I said there's a lot of things there there the things that are effective in this movie are very effective. It's just the problem is the things that aren't so that don't quite nail it really
1: don't
0: don't yeah. nail it you know. <laughs> like it's
1: yeah it's like so there's that point so to um the the witch finds out you know that the priest ended up like killing her mother oh yeah um and so there's that weird part where they're just like in a field and he's like just loudly talking about it and then like he looks and she's there and he's like oh it's like you didn't fucking (laughs) like there's only five of you all right yeah exactly also like sometimes like it's really funny because the children get lost very easily it's like you're not watching them like you have one job and that's like to make sure your kid's okay like there was there was one part which i thought was really funny where like she was looking for her sister or whatever and uh her sister was just like lying on the ground right in front of her and I was like you can't fucking see her like what is
0: happening I wonder how um, much of that's intentional though like you know it's like yeah these people are fucking like the the mom the woman who's like banging the, the the reverend you know like yeah she doesn't seem to be giving much of a shit about her fucking like at one point like her ex her well her husband her actual husband who's been who's also been staying with them after he like he, he comes back and he's staying with them and I'm like that's a rough scenario you know like your wife is banging this dude, um, and you're like, and everybody's kind of depending on you to kind of like get them through the weird, weird wilderness because you know all this wilderness shit. Um, he's like, he got, he like knocks in their their tent or whatever, and he's like, hey, have you seen our daughter? And she's like, uh, we thought she was with you, and it's like, oh, my god, <laughs> I'm like, this, this is so seedy. they um, are like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: it's it's such a it's a weird film for sure. I'm not. It's just strange, and yeah. I do really like it. And I wish he made more stuff, because, you know, as people who progress with, like, their ideas and, like, you know, it's it would be cool to see what he made. But, like you said, he just didn't.
0: He made, like, The Invisible Kid with Karen Black and, and Jay Underwood, yep. who was Uncle but, Buck. But, yeah, I agree.
1: But that was it. And then it was, like, the, that was, like, what the last thing he did was 88, and then it's, like, nothing. Yeah. And I check, he's still alive. Oh, but Fred Willard's not R&D.
0: Yeah. R.I.P. for sure.
1: R.I.P., homie. Um,
0: and yeah. Lynn Shelton, by the way. Huh? Lynn Shelton. She was a director. Oh,
1: yeah. Lynn Shelton, too. Yeah. On the same day. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, it's been a rough year for, like, film and art. <laughs> like, everyone's just like, mm, we don't want to live through this shit. Right <laughs>
0: people are dying. Sad. The new Fast and Furious got postponed until next year. Actually, I don't give a shit about that movie at all, so... I just was trying to be funny, but it um, was just Black
1: Widow. Did and I I did want to see that because I thought that would
0: be Wait, cool. Wait, you what?
1: Black Widow. You know, it's like the first of the Marvel oh, yeah. movies with female main character. Um, Besides
0: Captain Marvel.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about Captain Marvel. Yeah, but but it sucks because Black Widow was part of the Avengers before. You know what I mean? And then like she still never got her own movie. I'm not really sure why it took so long. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, fuck, what, what else was supposed to come out? I can't remember now because everything got pushed back anyway. So it's like, why do I care? Yeah. Something was still, I can't remember what, but like something was still like holding on to a July release. And then like, I don't think that's going
0: to happen, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, guess- I was joking. I mean, that's the worst. That, that, that movie's getting pushed back as the least of uh, the problems. But yeah, Fred Willard and and, uh, and Sheldon, that was that's pretty rough. And then, um, you know, I don't even want to... Dive into the <laughs> the rest of the people who are who are, who are losing left and right. Um, yeah, I'll be i happy when this is all done. I can tell you that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to have this be erased from my memory. I just I really want to go to the movie theaters.
0: Yeah, I know. I just want to watch a movie with 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 a friend. You know. I want. I want us to watch this episode, this podcast, face to face again. You know.
1: Yeah, so we can actually like watch the movie and and talk about it together. I know it's it's been rough, guys, but we're we're gonna get through it.
0: Yeah, we are. And uh, but watching
1: a load of shit.
0: Yeah, while we're getting through it, you know, check out Eyes of Fire. Uh, it's on YouTube. <laughs> or find it on video. You want
1: to feel confused? Yeah, find it on YouTube. It's
0: great and bad at the same time. And, and you know, before you go like, oh, man, like the quality on YouTube is like it's really dark and grainy. Guess what? It's the same thing on fucking VHS, too. I watched both the VHS and I watched it on YouTube just to kind of reacquaint myself. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is exactly like the same. So you're not it's this is not like a Blu-ray uh, release. It's not like a, a high def. It's it's rough around the edges. I think you should totally check it out and uh, definitely let us know what you think.
1: Yeah. Hit us up. Let us know.
0: All right. Congrats.
1: That's it. Right? I think it covers That's it, guys. It.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I didn't
1: know that he did the score. Brad
0: Fidel. Yeah. Not pretty That's cool. That's so
1: funny. I, st- I definitely, it's, like, the most, the Terminator is, the like, the most iconic.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Besides Speed, which has been in my head. Who did Speed? I can't remember. It's been in my head. Is it John Williams? It wasn't, was it? No. Um, no, someone did it. Someone did Speed. But I, I've had it in my head. I know this is, like, very unrelated to everything that we've been talking about. <laughs> um, but it's, like, bum, 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 bum. It's really good. I'm going to look it up really quick before we before we get out of here. Um, but, but the Terminator is also one of the sure. best scores ever.
0: Pack I also love on. the score to Fright Night. I mean, like, yeah, I think... I,
1: I. Yeah, Fright Night. That's right. That's what you said.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah.
1: I'm looking it up. You know what? Speed is a good watch.
0: It is. I know. I've, uh... Never- I... I was uh, I watched it about two years ago for the first time in a a long time, and I I enjoy it still. Speed is I mean like there's that genre of film that like is this is the blank of you know like you always have that one movie that kind of starts the trend, and then you have all the follow ups of it's you know like Speed was was marketed as or was was kind of like people reviewed it as Die Hard on a bus you know like Under Siege was Die Hard on a. Uh, uh, naval ship um, fucking passenger 57 was die hard on a plane you know what I mean like just just like um, you know like one of my one of the favorite movies that we've ever covered on this podcast was you know terror train which was Halloween on a fucking train you know it's like I do I, I think that it's rare when you get those derivatives that are really good that are almost that are almost as good as the movie that they're you know pulling from but I think speed is one of those examples of like yeah, this was Die Hard on a Blank that was actually really good, you know? Because um, a lot of times I think it's like, what was the one with Van Damme? It was Die Hard at a Hockey Rank.
1: Oh, dude, yeah. Uh, fuck, I can't remember. I've been talking about Jean Claude Van Damme more recently because I tell everyone I can about how I met him once. I remember. <laughs> of course you do. I won't let anyone ever forget. No, it I mean it was the we were also. My life.
0: It was when we were working together, and you were like, I, I think I just left the location you get you were at because like I was just dropping stuff off, and I think like shortly afterwards, you are like, holy shit! Oh, you're sudden,
1: like, sudden death.
0: Yeah, I remember sudden death. Oh, I, I knew. Yeah. I remember the name of it. I was just saying like it was. Oh, okay. um I am trying to think of other diehards in a blank, but anyway, speed's a good one.
1: Speed is good, and like you know what i watch a lot of trash but like so does everybody and so sometimes it's just nice to watch something that's like mindless and confusing and that you're not really sure how to feel about it like eyes of fire so you know definitely uh watch it it's free you don't have to pay for it yeah you probably have the extra time unless you have kids and then if you do let them watch it with a little uh weird surrealism
0: yeah go for it i think that's a good one (laughs) I think that's uh that, that pretty much sums up uh, Eyes of Fire. I mean, as much as we can. It's a tough movie. Like I said, it's it's you you can't really spoil much and you can't really um explain too much because I we're still trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah. I feel like if I watched it in my like early years, it would have had a much bigger impact on me than like watching it now. Yeah. Okay. I
0: mean, 83,
1: so, you know, I probably would have been a kid just like Cat Eyes, you know, Cat Eye. Trolls still scare me, so I feel like if I saw this, I would never go into the woods.
0: Did we talk about how I recently? I I, I know we're about to we're wrapping. We're trying to wrap this episode. We've had like three false endings, but really, um, (laughs) I actually here's an interesting thing. And I was thinking, I forgot I was going to bring this up. Now I love this band, so don't don't uh, don't take don't take this wrong way. But Tangerine Dream, can you name a movie that they scored that was successful? Thief. Hmm. Thief. Was it successful? Was it a box office success?
1: I mean, I wasn't... Was I a lot?
0: I don't know. I don't think I so. I mean, uh,
1: what about uh, fucking Fire...
0: Uh... Ah, that's where I was going to bring up. Firestarter was not... I don't think was a success. I, was but it? I watched that recently. I rewatched it recently, and I was like... Fuck, man. I don't understand how any, like, how people can say this is the worst Stephen King adaptation. It's not great. But for Stephen King himself to have said that recently... I feel like there's a lot of movies that we're overlooking here. Because, like, I can tell you, I will take Firestarter over Dreamcatcher any day. Any day. I'm trying to think of... You can't, um... can you? Don't say Sorcerer, because that almost, that almost ruined William Freakin's career. Oh, uh,
1: Risky Business
0: wasn't... Um... Fair enough. Very very well. Good job. Good job. I could not yeah. think of anything, and I completely forgot that they had done Risky Business. But you're absolutely right. The Risky Business was a success.
1: Yeah, that's
0: uh, I think that's it. <laughs> I mean, they're 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 mostly bo- and I love them, but they're mostly box office poison to whatever movies that they're gonna fucking do the score for, which I think is great. Thief. That's true. I
1: was gonna say though that like Thief is such a cool movie and the score is so
0: cool. I love it. But also yeah. another movie they fucking scored was Near Dark, and I love that movie too. And I don't think it was a success though.
1: Yeah, not at the
0: time. I mean, yeah. that's such a, what, how cult films happen, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, the I feel like, again, I, I'm I'm firmly in the belief that, you know, Catherine Bigelow winning for um, The Hurt Locker was really, really the Academy being like, <laughs> you know, we call it, we totally overlooked Near Dark and Point Break when, uh, when the Oscars were around. So uh, let's just, you know what I mean? Like kind of like how Al Pacino won for Sent of a Woman. But you're like, oh god, really? Is that that's them apologizing for ignoring him and *Godfather 2 and literally everything else he'd done besides *Son of a Woman* um, at that point? Same thing, we, you know. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, they were like, man, we really missed, we really dropped the ball. When we we didn't give *Point Break* greatest movie ever made by a human being. <laughs> oh, and *Near Dark* was pretty exceptional too. Actually, *Near Dark* is my favorite of the two. But um, uh,
1: yeah, *Hurt over is good though.
0: Eh. It's no I *Near Dark*. Like it. It's no *Point Break*. <laughs>
1: True, there's no bromance. Actually, so there's a before we end end, there's actually this group on Facebook and it's all-time action star, and so it's basically a bracket of any action star that you can think of. And I've been going to bat for Patrick Swayze because a lot of people are like, he's not an action star. I'm like, bitch. Have you ever seen fucking point break? Okay, totally believable. And that is all action, and that's him
0: too. Uh also, also I mean, yes, he is. I mean Roadhouse. Yeah, obviously. I was gonna say point break. Point break is a little bit point break. I don't I don't even consider it action. I mean, it's it's completely it's it's an adrenaline thrill ride, but it's also this very deep existential film about you know <laughs> the discovering the inner, you know, the the crazy, the wild side, you know, and also you know. Fucking falling in love with two different people and having to let one of them go, because although at the end, I mean, at the end of the movie, he's—I don't see Lori Petty with him afterwards when he's back in Australia, and he's so—I think she was the one he let go originally. Um, yeah. But but uh, you know, point break is <laughs> but Roadhouse, on the other hand, is a fucking action movie through and through, and a wonderful one at that. So yeah, I would I would vote Patrick Swayze as an action movie star. Um,
1: oh, yeah. Uh, the
0: fucking uh, Red Dawn.
1: Yeah. And not, people don't like it, but there's this movie. And I remember watching it. It's like Bad Dog or Black Dog or something. Black Dog. When he's a trucker. Yeah. I like it. Can't help it. Yeah. He's charismatic.
0: All right. Well, you and got that's my where vote. We'll
1: leave this episode. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, guys.
1: Eyes of Fire, guys.
0: And Patrick Swayze.
1: <laughs> All
0: right. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. What are you bringing us here for? Nothing! It was a time of witchcraft, of hangings, of horror, of magic. They were outcasts on a desperate voyage to the promised land. What they found was a terrifying world. A
0: strange, a strange land.
1: <laughs> Lost in a forest far from home, in a valley none would enter. tree says that this valley is where the lost blood gathers. It's the home of the devil.
0: Ah! Ah! Ah!
1: Oh! Ah! The secret is sleeping in the trees. Ah! 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 Is sleeping in the trees.